This episode of the MedBullet Step 1 podcast will go over the topic of Graves' disease from the endocrine section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 34-year-old woman presents to the physician's office with complaints of weight loss and sweatiness. She states that despite a ravenous appetite, she has lost 4 pounds this past month. In addition, she states that she has become more sweaty lately and unable to cool down in rooms that others find comfortable. On physical exam, you see an anxious and fidgety woman who has a very prominent gaze with protuberant eyes. Now, let's get into the episode. As a quick introduction, Graves' disease is an autoimmune disease with stimulating anti-TSH receptor antibodies. This is a type 2 hypersensitivity, and anti-microsomal as well as anti-thyroglobulin antibodies are also present. These are more commonly associated with Hashimoto's thyroiditis and hypothyroidism. Finally, anti-TSH antibodies also stimulate retroorbital fibroblasts, which lead to exophthalmos. In terms of epidemiology, Graves' disease is the most common cause of hyperthyroidism. It's female-dominant and has an HLA-B8 and DR3 association. Graves' disease is often incited during stress, for example, childbirth, infection, and steroid withdrawal. In terms of presentation, patients with Graves' disease have symptoms of hyperthyroidism. Physical exam may reveal a symmetrical, non-tender thyroid enlargement. The ophthalmological exam may reveal proptosis and exophthalmos due to glycosaminoglycan deposition. Other findings on physical exam include pretibial myxedema and digital swelling. In terms of evaluation for Graves' disease, serology will reveal an increased total serum T4, increased uptake of I-123 diffusely on radioactive iodine uptake scan, and decreased serum TSH. Histology is not a routine part of the evaluation, but on histology you may see scalloping of the colloid. This is secondary to increased activity of the epithelium to produce increased thyroid hormone. Treatment of Graves' disease is typically pharmacologic. This includes beta blockers, thiocyanate, thionamides, iodine-131 ablation, and glucocorticoids. Beta blockers provide symptomatic relief via blockade of beta-1 adrenergic receptors. Propanolol inhibits peripheral T4 to T3 conversion by deiodinase. Thiocyanate inhibits the sodium iodide symporter located on the basolateral membrane of thyroid epithelial cells. Decreased iodide uptake leads to decreased hormone synthesis. Moving on to thionamides, these inhibit thyroid peroxidase and results in reduced hormone synthesis. Finally, glucocorticoids are a treatment of exophthalmos. Now let's talk about prognosis, prevention, and complications in the setting of Graves' disease. In terms of complications, stress-induced catecholamine surge may be fatal by arrhythmia. And as far as pregnancy complications, anti-TSH receptor antibodies may cross the placenta and produce hyperthyroidism in the fetus. This may present with tachycardia, goiters, growth delays, microcephaly, or craniosynostosis. Now, let's end this review session with some high-yield facts about Graves' disease. The presentation is typically a female patient with weight loss, tachycardia, irritability, and pretibial myxedema and exophthalmos. In terms of pathophysiology, TSH-stimulating antibodies stimulate TSH receptors, which lead to hyperthyroidism. This is associated with other autoimmune disorders and HLA-B8 and DR3. Stimulation of the thyroid gland leads to increased T4 and T3, decreased TSH, and diffuse increase in radioactive iodine uptake. Exophthalmos is caused by lymphocytic infiltration. 
TSH-stimulating antibodies can stimulate retroorbital fibroblasts, antithyroid medications will not improve slash reverse, and glucocorticoids may help decrease inflammation. Finally, in terms of management, the best initial step is with propanolol and propylthiouracil. However, be aware of agranulocytosis with dianamides. In terms of definitive management, radioactive iodine ablation in general or surgical removal of the thyroid in extreme cases such as during pregnancy. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 42-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician for an annual checkup. Her main concern during this visit is that she has been feeling increasingly anxious and this anxiety is giving her palpitations. She believes that the anxiety may be due to the fact that her son is not doing well in school. Otherwise, she says that she is proud of losing 5 pounds but denies increased exercise or dietary changes. Family history is significant for diabetes mellitus and myocardial infarction on both sides of her family. On physical exam, she is found to be diaphoretic with edema of the anterior tibia. Which of the following human leukocyte antigen variants would be most likely seen in this patient? And the choices are 1, DQ2, 2, DR2, 3, DR3, 4, DR4, and 5, DR5. The correct answer to this question is 3, DR3. So this patient with anxiety, palpitations, unintentional weight loss, diaphoresis, and pretibial myxedema most likely has Graves' disease, which is associated with the HLA-DR3 haplotype. Graves' disease is an autoimmune disease caused by stimulation of antithyroid-stimulating hormone, or TSH, receptors. It will present with chronic hyperthyroidism resulting in palpitations, weight loss, and heat intolerance. Graves' disease will also have characteristic physical exam findings such as symmetrical non-tender enlargement of the thyroid, as well as pretibial myxedema. The ophthalmologic changes seen in Graves' disease are almost pathognomonic for this disorder and include proptosis and exophthalmos. The development of Graves' disease is associated with female sex and HLA-DR3 haplotype. Management of Graves' disease includes beta blockers, dianamides, and radioactive iodine ablation. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, HLA-DQ2 is associated with the development of celiac disease, which would present with gluten intolerance resulting in abdominal pain, bloating, and diarrhea when consuming gluten-containing foods. Answer 2, HLA-DR2 is associated with the development of multiple sclerosis, systemic lupus erythematosus, and good pasture syndrome. Answer 4, HLA-DR4 is associated with the development of rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes mellitus, and Addison's disease. And finally, answer 5, HLA-DR5 is associated with the development of pernicious anemia and Hashimoto thyroiditis. Hashimoto thyroiditis may initially present with a short period of hyperthyroidism. However, chronically, it would present with symptoms of hypothyroidism rather than hyperthyroidism. To leave you with a bullet summary, Graves' disease presents with hyperthyroidism and is associated with the HLA-DR3 haplotype. Moving on to the next question. A 31-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician with a two-week history of diarrhea. She says that she has also noticed that she is losing weight, which makes her feel anxious since she has relatives who have suffered from anorexia. Finally, she says that she's worried she has a fever because she feels warm and has been sweating profusely. On physical examination, she's found to have proptosis, fine tremor of her hands, and symmetrical non-tender thyroid enlargement. 
which of the following types of enzymes is targeted by a treatment for this disease? And the choices are 1, catalase, 2, cyclooxygenase, 3, kinase, 4, peroxidase, and 5, phosphatase. The correct answer to this question is 4, peroxidase. So this patient who is experiencing weight loss, hyperthermia, anxiety, tremor, and diarrhea with symmetrical, non-tender thyroid enlargement most likely has Graves' disease. Graves' disease can be treated with thioamides that inhibit the thyroid peroxidase enzyme. Graves' disease can be treated with beta blockers, glucocorticoids, thiocyanate, dianamides, and radioactive iodine. Beta blockers are used to block adrenergic overactivation in patients with excessive thyroid hormone function and are used symptomatically to prevent heart palpitations. Glucocorticoids are similarly used to symptomatically reduce exophthalmos. The other three drug classes are primarily used to ablate the excessive production of thyroid hormone. Thiocyanate inhibits the sodium iodide symporter located on the basolateral membrane of thyroid epithelial cells. Dianamides inhibit the key enzyme thyroid peroxidase that is responsible for the organification of thyroid hormone. Finally, radioactive iodine is used to ablate overactive thyroid tissue. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, catalase is an enzyme that is involved in immune cell function. This enzyme is defective in various immunodeficiencies but is not targeted during Graves' disease. Answer 2, cyclooxygenase, is inhibited by non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, and these drugs would be used to treat subacute thyroiditis. However, they are not used to treat Graves' disease. Answer 3, kinases are inhibited downstream of second messenger pathways in the adrenergic system. However, they are not directly targeted by beta blockers. Answer 5, phosphatases, such as alkaline phosphatase, can be low in conditions such as hypophosphatasia. However, they would not be targeted by any of the drugs used to treat Graves' disease. To leave you with a bullet summary, Graves' disease can be treated with beta blockers, glucocorticoids, diocyanate, dianamides, and radioactive iodine. Moving on to the next question. A 52-year-old woman presents to our primary care physician with symptoms of heat intolerance, unintentional weight loss, feelings of anxiety, and excessive energy that hinder her from falling asleep at night. On physical exam, the patient is found to have mildly protuberant eyes bilaterally, as well as discoloration and swelling of her shins. Which of the following lab results would most likely be present in this patient? And the choices are 1. Decreased anti-TSH antibodies, 2. Decreased free T4, 3. Decreased serum TSH, 4. Increased anti-mitochondrial antibodies, and 5. Increased serum TSH. The correct answer to this question is 3, decreased serum TSH. So this patient's presentation of heat intolerance, weight loss, anxiety, and ophthalmopathy is characteristic of Graves' disease, which has increased levels of T4 and T3, as well as decreased levels of serum TSH. To quickly review, Graves' disease is the most common cause of hyperthyroidism, presenting with systemic symptoms including heat intolerance, weight loss, hyperactivity, diarrhea, and tachycardia. Additional features unique to Graves' disease include ophthalmopathy and pretibial myxedema. Lab evaluation most commonly begins with analysis of the TSH level, which is decreased in hyperthyroidism and increased in hypothyroidism. In Graves' disease, stimulation of the thyroid gland increases thyroid hormone levels, which then leads to decreased serum TSH levels due to negative feedback. 
To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, decreased anti-TSH antibodies is incorrect because they should be increased in Graves' disease. Answer two, decreased free T4 level is incorrect because this also should be increased in Graves' disease. Answer four, anti-mitochondrial antibodies are found in primary biliary cholangitis, which is not to be confused with anti-microsomal antibodies found in Hashimoto thyroiditis. And finally, answer five, increased serum TSH is incorrect because it should be decreased in hyperthyroidism. And to leave you with a bullet summary, Graves' disease presents with increased levels of T3 T4 and decreased levels of TSH. And moving on to the final question, a 28-year-old G1P0 woman comes to the emergency department complaining that her water just broke. She reports irregular prenatal care due to her erratic schedule. She is also unsure of her gestational age, but claims that her belly began to show shortly after she received her thyroidectomy for Graves' disease about nine months ago. She denies any known fevers, chills, abnormal vaginal discharge slash bleeding, or sexually transmitted infections. She develops frequent and regular contractions and subsequently goes into active labor. A fetus was later vaginally delivered with a fetal heart rate of 180 beats per minute. A neonatal physical examination demonstrates a lack of a sagittal cranial suture and an APGAR score of 8 and 8 at 1 and 5 minutes respectively. What findings would you expect in the baby? And the choices are 1. Group B, streptococcus in blood. 2. High levels of free T4 and total T3. 3. High thyroid stimulating hormone. 4. Low hemoglobin. And 5. Pericardial effusion. The correct answer to this question is 2. High levels of free T4 and total T3. The fetus has neonatal Graves' disease, for example, tachycardia and craniosynostosis, secondary to transplacental transfer of thyroid hormone receptor-stimulating antibodies, or TSHR antibodies. Neonates would have elevated levels of free T4 and total T3. To quickly review, neonatal Graves' disease develops in about 1-5% to of infants born to mothers with Graves' hyperthyroidism. It is worth noting that it can occur in infants of women who have been treated with thyroidectomy or radioactive iodine in the past. The disease is due to the transplacental passage of maternal thyroid hormone receptor-stimulating antibodies and usually self-resolves within 3 to 12 weeks after the thyroid hormone receptor-stimulating antibodies clears from circulation. Clinical manifestations in neonates include premature birth, low birth weight, microcephaly, hyperactivity, tachycardia, goiter, craniosynostosis, or hepatosplenomegaly. Early closure of cranial sutures can lead to intellectual limitations as it may interfere with normal brain and skull growth. It is hypothesized that the high levels of thyroid hormone receptor-stimulating antibodies contributes to the development of craniosynostosis. As the condition can be fatal if untreated, all infants born to mothers with a history of Graves' disease should be assessed with serum-free T4, total T3, and thyroid-stimulating hormone, or TSH, at birth. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, neonatal sepsis secondary to infection can present with fetal tachycardia. Group B streptococcus infection is a reasonable differential given this patient's irregular prenatal care. However, the infant's craniosynostosis, along with the mother's history of Graves' disease, makes neonatal Graves' disease more likely. Answer 3, high thyroid-stimulating hormone would be seen in neonatal hypothyroidism, not neonatal Graves' disease. This is often transient and occurs in cases where maternal antithyroid drug treatment leads to low free T4, total T3, and elevated TSH. Answer 4. Low hemoglobin may occur secondary to injuries or hemorrhages that may occur during the birthing process. 
This can ultimately lead to fetal tachycardia. However, given that this infant is likely not premature, a hemorrhage is unlikely. And finally, answer five, pericardial effusion is also an unlikely cause of fetal tachycardia. The infant is also not displaying any signs or symptoms of pericardial effusion. To leave you with a bullet summary, neonatal Graves' disease results from the transplacental passage of thyroid hormone receptor-stimulating antibodies and presents with tachycardia, goiter, craniosynostosis, and growth delays. That's all for this review about Graves' disease. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 1 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.